the most interesting conversation you've ever had in your entire life. <laughs> and you end up just sitting here for eight hours straight, just glued in to the conversation. That's, that could happen. That's what I'm anticipating. It's off to a pretty slow start so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm setting the white balance still, so give me a second. Um, everything looks good, except I'd say we need uh, the white balance is off. Nick would not forgive me if I didn't walk over here and go. I understand. We're going down to 5,000. They better match. That's just the way it's going to be. No. Okay, there's you looking good. There's me looking good. You feel good? Yeah, feel fine. Okay. Um, I'm going to set us on autopilot. It says, it always does 10 seconds. I feel like that's a bit much. I always switch it to 15. Yeah. Very rarely am I doing something compelling for 10 seconds at a time. <laughs> you play music for an Well, a but I don't think you need to zoom in on me for like four bars. One or two bars is good. It depends on the tempo of the song. Yes. <laughs> well, particularly like a rhythm section. You get the idea yeah. when you look over there. <laughs> Well, welcome to the uh, Conspiracy Dad podcast, yeah. Dave. How are you? Pretty good. Freshly showered. Just yeah? got done helping my folks with uh, clearing branches, man. I thought you were going to say done kicking ass at the gym. Not today. Not today. Nope. Did you guys have a lot of, for people that don't know, Tulsa, we got a pretty big storm. Yeah. It was kind of like a wimpy tornado over the whole city. You know what I mean? It was like... <laughs> Normally a tornado is like one specific neighborhood gets yeah, hit, but yeah. this was just like a fat, it was more like a hurricane. Yeah. It was like kind of the whole city. It wasn't, I mean, it was like 80, 90 mile an hour winds, but it was like kind of everywhere. Yeah, I guess I would say, yes, it was a wimpy tornado, but a wimpy tornado makes for a very strong thunderstorm. You know, well, I That's was, why I've always thought hurricanes are crazy. Because of the, Have you had that experience where people, they are? well, like people that don't live around like oklahoma kansas they're like terrified of tornadoes mm. and they're like oh mm. my god how do you even live there yeah and they're like from florida and you're like you live somewhere where you know it's every big year old, like 30 40 miles wide right i mean oh yeah it takes out the whole huge. city yeah you have to they all evacuate that's what seems crazy yeah, to me and then I've i always that. try to tell them like you know in oklahoma like we could have a tornado go through this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It could take out my neighbor's house and not even touch mine. It's, yeah, they're a little more. So your chances of getting yeah. hit are way, way less than you live in, you know, East Coast somewhere where you just know, like, you board up the house because you know it's going to be. And they seem to hit in some of the same areas, like more Oklahoma. Not a great place to buy a house. No. Because every 10, 12 years, you're going to get leveled. I, I think it has something to do with, like... It's like some sort of Indian graveyard or something. There's some oh, curse. Oh, yeah. I, like I forget there's idea. there's a yeah. curse connected to it. But um, obviously, if you're in Oklahoma, there has to be Indian ghost stories oh, connected sure. to yeah. any disaster that happens. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for it. It just happened in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. You didn't, yeah. you didn't just get hit by the tornado. <laughs> I was here just minding my own business on what used to be someone else's land. Yeah. That's and then funny. the gods smited me. 
for no reason at all. That's kind of like uh, kids will do. You know, you hear the the older sibling, ow, and you walk in and go, "What happened?" And the younger one hit him for no reason no at reason. all. No I was reason. just, I was just trying to help her. You sound like you're you're headed into a a, a dad story or a dad advice, which we decided uh. we're gonna we're gonna kick off the conspiracy dad with. Dad yeah. advice instead of conspiracy this advice. This didn't have anything to do with my particular dad advice, but siblings are, and it's one of the things is uh, I'm an older sibling, so watching my boy when he pokes and prods at his sister and gives her a hard time, um, it's weird. Do you, you ever watch your kid do something that they just, it's a compulsive thing, like they can't not. Yeah. Resist, they cannot resist the impulse to do the thing they're about to do, and like especially when they're like breaking something. Yeah, and you're like, why yeah. did you do that? And they I, don't I know. They have no you. idea why. And you're like, <laughs> you just decided to break it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. actually, you didn't even decide. I think it's a demon at I that point. <laughs> like, there's like some little devil on your shoulder yeah, telling right. you, break it. It's your dad loves it. Just What's break gonna it. Happen? Just keep. Just well, pick at it. You're this far in. Let's I won't see name happens. names, but I had like a brand new pair of boots. Uh-huh. Brand new. Nice boots, mm-hmm. nice cowboy boots, with a nice sheen on the top of it. And I come in and look at, them and one of them is just scratched, oh. like multiple times on the top of it. And the child that will remain nameless, I'm like, "What are you doing?" And the child's just she, okay. You can you he, narrow she, it down to a she. Yeah. She didn't know. She had no answer. It was just like I don't I don't yeah, know. It was yeah. just I just shiny, and I just started scratching yeah, it. And you're like, sure. "I'm so mad right now," but. <laughs> I, I I believe that she had no reason. I think that it was demonic. I think that it's, <laughs> it starts younger than I expected. Um, my daughter is six and sprayed the car with sunscreen, which is not that big of a deal. But like a lot? Yeah, it was kind of a lot, but it was just one of those, like you walk into the garage and you see this weird film all along the side of the car, right at eye level for her. <laughs> you walk back in and you say, hey, uh, it looks like something got sprayed all over the car. Do you know anything about that? And then, of course, she goes, I That's the mistake. No. You're talking to them like a human. <laughs> you can't. They're not They're not human. She Watching her lie was weird, too, because like, she's young enough to where that kind of is a new thing. And... She goes, no, I don't know. And I was like, for a moment, I paused. Like, maybe she didn't do it. Why would would a person do that? Maybe it was a ghost. I don't know. And then she hasn't quite learned to stick with the lie. So it wasn't very long before she's like, yeah, well, me and Leo, we decided to go out and, yeah. We just wanted to see what would happen. And I thought, yeah, well, that, I mean, doesn't make sense to me as a grown man. But I, I get that you're a kid and that's what happened. Yeah. It happens. Scratching the boot. You kind of just, you're just there was investigating. No, There's no reason. It, no. But at the same time, I'm sure I did like 50, probably 100 things like that, that I, I couldn't tell you why. If you I mean, ask, I remember once I was at a buddy's place. We were out in the woods. It was like a campground. We found a bunch of old bottles. And we just started smashing them. It's like, yeah, why? Totally. Why not? You know? Because they're bottles. And I yeah. remember looking up and it's like, there's broken glass everywhere. It's like 30, 40 <laughs> bottles we just smashed. And every time... It just felt so good to just go. Yeah, that yeah. still feels good. Yeah. Maybe after this, we'll go out and let's go break some bottles. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> There's a picture on my folks' refrigerator of my brother and I when we're the my kids' age, like six and like eight and four, eight and five ish, and um, we're both smiling and we're in matching clothes, like matching polos. We're headed to like an Easter party or something. Mm-hmm. 
which thanks mom for documenting <laughs> that bowl cuts and matching spring colored polos but we're both smiling and that picture i always look at it i mean my whole life i've looked at it and thought i was not happy in that picture because just right before it was taken i did one of those things like a kid will do where you take your finger and you scoop a big dollop of frosting uh-huh. and lick the frosting because we're taking a picture with like the cake my mom had baked oh, okay. to go to whatever easter party we're about to go to and uh that's probably the only time i can remember doing that thing as a kid where you just like you know the parents are getting on to me go ahead and come in if you're gonna come in we're talking about you you can sit with me as long as you're quiet okay come here so i remember that moment Whoa. my parents getting on to me like why did you ruin the cake and in that moment just not having a real like ah, because i don't it was there i think it's demons i think you're right probably yeah. goes back to the blood trough at some point oh but, for sure yeah. <laughs> so what was your dad's story or dad advice specifically oh, for this episode? um the one that uh funny when you're when you're like thinking on stuff you want to teach your kids i'm sure that more often than not it's something you're trying to teach yourself you know like or, something that you're like, yeah, oh, you're trying, I, sh- I you should know, have not done that, or yeah, like trying or to like, make them better than you. Maybe kind of thing. you maybe you procrastinate a lot, and so you really get on your kids about procrastinating a bunch, right? Okay. And so, so my coach at my gym made the comment a few months ago, like, uh, if you work diligently, if you are consistent, your skills have no choice but to improve. <laughs> and uh, I kind of latched onto that phrase because it's not just for like one skill it's anything you do if you work at it consistently your skills have no choice like you're Mm. literally willing them into submission if you just keep every day kind of chipping away at this skill set whatever it is if it's learning an instrument if it's learning a language if If it's it's, playing with a snake if it's playing with a snake if it's snake charming there you go just stay with it every day and your snake charming skills have no choice but to improve Um, that's like just tenacity you know like uh yeah the the guy who doesn't quit is the guy who wins you know and like you just how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time you know i think about it as a dad how do you get better as a dad i don't think that you like you know you talk to guys before they have kids oftentimes it's kind of like i don't know man like i'm not ready for kids and i think there are you should wait till you're ready to some degree but at some point you got to just jump in the pool you know, yeah, it's not like you read enough books and you go prepared, ready to go. Well, you know, too, because you have your first and you're like freaking out about everything. Mm-hmm. And then by the second, you're like, oh, it's not so not so you're bad. Or a baby, you, you know? yeah, or you at least know that like whatever comes up, there's no way to prepare for whatever unexpected things about to come up. So you just kind of generally have to be prepared. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the you know being consistent as a dad to me is. Not necessarily having all the answers, but just consistently trying to engage them in conversation um, and constantly like being aware of how the game is changing. That's mm. something that always surprises me is that we get in these like three month modes and the kids are growing. Kids develop so quickly that it feels like just when I get a handle on how to like navigate, oh, they're really compliant when I explain it to them this way. Two months later, that yeah. trick doesn't work anymore. You got to retool and come back. But the main idea you're talking about is that the idea of c- consistency across the board, commitment to whatever it is yeah. you're doing, and yeah. like if you, if you um, 
it's kind of like just having having that goal, like you having a goal, mm-hmm. aiming at that goal. It doesn't really matter what you're doing, um, working at it, working on those skills. Mm-hmm. It's gonna get better. The thing that I hear my son say a lot, and I don't think he's the only nine year old boy that says this, but this attitude of, well, I wasn't born awesome at this, so what's the use in working at getting better at it? And so, you know, yeah, to your point, it's, you're, you're, you're rephrasing it the way that, what I mean is, yeah, nobody's born awesome at pretty much anything. Some people are gifted in some ways. I've heard that that's a, that's a sign of studies of successful people versus highly skilled people versus not. And there's this weird thing where highly successful people, um, assume that they're going to be bad at what they start doing. Ah, I like that. So like whatever it is they're doing, they're, they're not surprised at all that they fail. Like they just go, wait, it's my first time. It's Mm -hmm. the first one. And then there's a majority of the population or a lot of people, they, they don't ever move forward because they're waiting to be perfect at it. And Mm -hmm. they're afraid of failure or the first time they do something, they step out on the mat to, to, to spar or something and they get, uh, obliterated and they quit immediately because yeah. they just go well i'm, I'm obviously not good, good at this yeah. if i was I good at it, it i would have won yeah. i didn't win so um but uh yeah teaching your kids to expect failure mm-hmm. is really important yeah because um you're gonna fail like way more than you win that's uh it's just natural like the bay area tech industry that's the saying of like move fast and break stuff you know like mm-hmm. fail fast that sort of stuff so yeah like I think that's a really good phrase that successful people go into it expecting to fail at first. Yeah. And obviously you might fail so bad that you reassess whether or not well, you're, yeah, there you're are... in the right ballpark. <laughs> but... when, I, when I tried out for the basketball team my freshman year, everybody knows the story of Michael Jordan getting cut. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and he becomes Michael Jordan. Um, I went to try out and there was no... like. Every indication was you're it, you're not going to be Michael Jordan, even if you work really hard and come back next year. <laughs> so that was when I like dialed back on basketball. But um, so I mean, yeah, there are things that you're going to find you're not born to do, but don't let one failure, like you said. I like that. Know. So that's that's good dad advice. Yeah, I think that's good. Mine was not advice. Mine was a story. Because I, yeah, yeah. I had a few things going, but to start to tell the story, I have to start with Kyle. So Kyle is uh, my son desperately wanted a snake for his birthday, so we bought Kyle the corn snake. He's oh, a yeah, cool, he's a cool snake. little snake. Yeah. Like he's just this albino uh, snake, orange and white. And so when we got him, um, I started before we got him. I was researching like, well, I'm just. Is, how do you take care of him? What do you feed him? And it wasn't too bad, actually. It was like, oh, he eats uh, like a little mouse once a week. They're like two bucks at the pet store. And you buy him frozen. And I had the the pet store lady had to tell me all this, how to, how to feed him. But it wasn't complicated. It's like, oh, you take the frozen dead mouse and you put it in the water and it thaws out. And you take these tweezers and you hold it out in front of Kyle and it's Zip. dead, but he'll smell it, the blood like okay. immediately. He knows. And the first time we fed him, because I, I had read that sometimes they do take some work to figure it out, and they can go like a few weeks without eating, and it kind of you're worried mm. they might not live. But um, Kyle got it right away. He's like snatched it up, coiled around it, ate it, and so we've had a couple of feedings now since we got him. 
So I tell you that story to tell you the story of okay. what I, what happened next. So then last night, it was last night, uh, my wife brought home some, I guess this would be a story where dad, sometimes you just, you just do it. You just like, you don't, maybe you're not qualified to do something. Just do it. You just step in there and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so my oldest son, uh, she had some fish, like fried fish from this nice restaurant. She was like, mm-hmm. oh, every, leftovers. Every, try some. It was really good. And my oldest son takes a big bite of it, and he puts it in his mouth. I was out of the kitchen. I come back in, and he's like gagging. Oh. He's like, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, what's what's going on? Yeah. And he's like, there's a there's a bone. And uh, my wife's kind of like, I don't know, swallow it, maybe. And I'm like, he's like, no, there's a bone. I can feel it. And I'm like, open your mouth. And I can see a bone like lodged as I, as I pulled his tongue, I like stuck in his throat, in the okay, back of his throat. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, oh, he's going to swallow. Like that could go through his esophagus, whatever. Um, and then I thought, tweezers. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so I ran across the room and I grabbed yeah. Kyle's mouse, dead mouse tweezers. And, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I did pause. And my son's like, his head's over the sink and he's like gagging. And I'm like, wait. Oh, you washed him. <laughs> I got the okay. soap. I went because he's kind of a hypochondriac and he would have freaked out. <laughs> but I washed him really good. And I was like, all right, they're clean. He's like, okay. And yeah, I did. Like, I felt like a surgeon. Totally. Like, I opened his tongue. I was like, put down your tongue. I'm like, stick me in. Pop. I pull out this big, Ooh. like, bone. I bet that gone. felt amazing. It did. <laughs> like, everybody in the room paused and is like, yeah, I could have been a surgeon. Like, I, totally. <laughs> I could cut you open and pull out the there bad is, things. Uh, and... With your own kid, you feel a little more. Like, yeah, I can do this. You know? I was more in the mindset of, I am not going to the urgent care right now, oh, and I am I totally not paying yeah. $3,000 to have somebody stick a thing down his throat and pull it. I can do it. Yeah. I got Kyle's tweezers. Yeah. They're big and long. I could just stick them down his throat and pull it out. $3,000 so, plus your whole evening is wrecked. It yeah. could have been. If it had been further down his throat, urgent care, I don't think I would have, like, I could see it. You so weren't going to cut it. his neck open to get it. No, but, but I also wasn't going to go fishing and just, like... He probably would have thrown up everywhere Rupture at that point. vocal cords, yeah. But it was it was a dad like I think as dads you just uh, they, you just do it totally. You yeah. know, don't be afraid. You yeah. know, if you, if a kid's got something stuck in their throat, just like open wide, son. Yeah, pull it out. Totally. Anyway, and with that, you gave him a story he's going to be telling for the rest of his days. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he he did get it out, and I was like, he's like, thanks. I'll bet <laughs> you're welcome. I mean, the the relief you feel when you get a bone out of your neck that sounds yeah he i could see because i think his mom i don't think she quite understood like she thought like t- like tiny something like I don't, he was trying to tell me like no dad there's a yeah I'm in i mean i can way. feel like there's yeah. something there and uh then when i peered inside with my iphone Dude. light i was like i see a bone sticking out yeah <laughs> so uh, Your wife, the medical professional, just <laughs> I looked shoulders. At, I, I mean, she was. I could tell, like at that moment, she won't listen to this, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> she, I could tell at that moment it was like she's used to handing. Oh, the, like okay, she's yeah. not this. She's not doing the surgery. She's oh, like, here, you okay? You now you take yeah, it out. Uh-huh. Like I can sterilize it. I can give you the right forceps, yeah. but I'm not reaching in there. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I say that, but she's she's done lots of surgery so uh-huh. i'm sure she's pulled bones and sometimes it just comes down to who's there too like if i think she it was, was just alone, I, I saw yeah. like i could visualize i could reach in there and get that you I know, know what i mean i love that you thought 
I'm not taking him to the urgent care to watch some other dude do this thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I can do. I had that before when he was a kid. Yeah. Well, he's a teenager now, but he's like, my ear hurts, Dad. And I look in his ear and I see neon green. Oh, my goodness. And it's one of those airsoft bullets. Yeah. And he had just stuck it in his ear. <laughs> and he's like, it hurts so bad. He's probably four or five. Yeah. He's like, how long has that been in there? He's like, a few days. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. So then we, we go to the urgent care and... uh I'm thinking like big surgery. Like I don't know how because the ear to... had kind of swollen around it because uh-huh. it'd been there, and they had this. They brought out this little spoon thing. They're like, "You," she said something like like that. Like I, I, I thought, is this gonna be big? And she's like, "Actually, this happens all the time. We have a scoop yeah. here, <laughs> and it hurt to get it out, but it was like this." Shh, and I was like, "Well, if I had one of those, I yeah, could do that. No that wasn't, problem. Yeah. wasn't any magic to that. It was a scoop, ear scoop. Yeah. Anyway, so that's her dad." stories and advice i don't know we'll keep this going uh man i I think all good you you won with that one i mean it's not a contest it's a good story i don't have any stories of kids with bones in their throat yet well yeah game pretty early (laughs) so now that we've covered the dad advice uh at the top of this i guess we can put it in the title but today we were going to talk about david grush now Dave, who is David Grush? David Grush. Uh, let's see. David Grush is uh, right now. If you Google UFO whistleblower, yes, that's the first thing you're going to find is David Grush. Um, lots of not just not just conspiracy theory type places like ourselves and the more notable ones, but um, like mainstream news sources and like Rogan's talking to it, talking about it. With a lot of his guests, um, dogs coming in, kids coming, coming in. in. <laughs> no. No. Grush is a former intelligence offer, officer. You keep going. And he's also a Afghanistan veteran, um, but he's been in intelligence since I don't know, sometime around. Uh, well, his whole career has been intelligence, but. A lot of the stuff that he talks about is since around 2019. Okay. Where... When this, I mean, just to, to tee this up a little better, like there's been a lot of news happening. Yeah. So just in the past two weeks since our last podcast, um, it's almost like a whirlwind of, if you if you were going back to our UFO fake alien invasion podcast, and uh, even since then, like the, the uh, temperature of the conversation has turned up quite a Mm -hmm. bit and that's why david grush comes into the conversation because uh he's the whistleblower Mm -hmm. and uh obviously like everything you said he's very it's a buddy of mine would always say like this he'd say well if if he is not an expert can you tell me who is Hmm. so with a lot of these ufo people especially people like david grush they'll say something that's just what David is saying is unbelievable. It is enough that you you would think that people's m- brains would explode just by hearing what he's saying. So he's not... Um, we can get in more into exactly what he's saying. I'm just going to make it brief so, so you know what we're talking about. But he is um, saying as, as a whistleblower, as a highly ranked intelligence officer for the United States government... Um, no bones about it, we have in our possession many spacecraft, you know, ships, 
you know, v- vessels from other planets that have been crashed or found on Earth. Uh, I guess sometimes they just they land them and they leave and they just like oh here you go and we come across it like in an archaeological dig or something we'll find an aircraft that's what he's saying I mean I'm just it sounds fantastical and we have bodies of pilots from these crashes from other planets not Earth so that's pretty I mean even for me being somebody who has seen UFOs and obsessed with UFOs I hear that and go. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, I was kind of hoping for like there was a crash. He's like, he's saying, no, every, basically every five years we find one of these, yeah, one of these vehicles. And he's not saying it's just metamaterials or some elements of, I mean, he says we have intact vehicles from other planets, which, so the whole thing is weird because, first of all, wouldn't that, be like headline news like wouldn't that like blow everyone's like why why is no one freaking out i think the reason no one is freaking out you, we've had this conversation a little bit before when you talked about like new york times is going on mm-hmm. with, we have aliens that's a credible source um in this case i thought that the um cold water is that his name uh cold cold heart cold heart i think cold heart um, Australian the Australian fellow yeah. that's doing the interview on News Nation, I thought he put it pretty well where he's saying, well, look, what you're saying is that you know people who have seen, like, I know a guy who knows a guy mm-hmm. is basically it. And so, I mean, I'm not all ate up with the story like I want to be. Well, well, no, it's more than that. He's not just saying, like, I I met a guy in a bar and he told me a story. He's saying that it was his job at the Pentagon Mm -hmm. to research this topic. Yeah. And that um, as he was researching it, that individuals he did not seek out, individuals within these programs, crash retrieval programs is what he's calling them. So what he's saying is within our military system, whatever you want to call it, there is a secret crash retrieval program right. that has existed for almost 90 years. And he goes all the way back. He, no, no bones about it. He says in 1933, under Mussolini's government in, Ita- in Italy, Italia, yeah. um, <laughs> that there was a UFO crash in Italy and that they recovered a, a crashed UFO from mm-hmm. another planet. Yeah. That's that's what the Italians said. And that at some point Pope Pius um of the Roman Catholic Church knew about it. And when Mussolini's government fell in forty four, forty five, that Pope Pius called the Americans and informed them about it. And in his words he said the Americans came in and scooped everything up. Mm-hmm. Meaning the craft and all of it. And yeah. like we've this has been a thing. And uh, that's, I, I mean, I think that Colthart captured the spirit of it in the interview because mm-hmm. he is pushing hard. Like this well, is, this yeah. is on un- what you're saying is unbelievable. That's my point is like why it's not getting the kind of serious attention that like people that are into UFOs seem to think that it garnered is, I mean, I, I wanted, I wanted something more from, Grush than 
Yeah, well, I talk to people, and then people would say, well, who'd you talk to? I can't tell you. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's the same thing as, like, I went back Actually, and, that's changed a bit. Okay. Just <laughs> in the past good. couple of days. Yeah. Well, see... Uh, yesterday, even, Marco I mean, Rubio did an interview with if, that same News okay. Nation network. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like, if you're going to be a whistleblower, like, my understanding is he came out on the news because he had no choice at this point, mm-hmm. and I'm going... Okay, well, you've already decided you're going to spill your guts about this whole thing. Um, And when pressed for details, it's a lot of... Well, I mean, I can just tell you enough to, like, get you interested, and then I'm going to not tell you. The thought that I had was, like, if I was at a party, like, we got... (coughs) Fourth of July is coming up, and last year I was at a cookout on Fourth of July. I was with with you. This is a different cookout. Oh, okay. Not the one... I had fun at that cookout. This is a (laughs) cookout where I got stuck talking to someone... (laughs) They probably weren't talking about this, were they? Well, but the, what I thought was, for some reason, I was picturing that same cookout, and I thought, God, I could imagine this guy being there and going, hey, you know, I uh, I work for the government, and people tell me about UFOs. And I'd be like, really? Oh, cool. My buddy Dante is really into UFOs. <laughs> tell me more about it. And he'd go, uh, can't really well, say I can't much. really tell you. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, you're the one that brought it up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one that really bothered me was the interviewer says, how many of these craft do we have? And then quite Grush, a few. Yeah, he yeah. says quite a number, and I was yeah. like, "How obnoxious is yeah. this guy?" <laughs> so I realized that has no bearing on his credibility. And after listening to uh, George Knapp and uh, Jeremy Corbell today, there they make the case that he is he is only giving out information that is like you know, it's like declassified information, which apparently. All the only declassified information is very vague. Yeah, um, it is. Well, but, I guess, but it's still um, bizarre it that is. the declassified yeah. information is we have quite a number of spacecraft from other planets <laughs> it's bizarre, and bodies of dead pilots. I guess all of that is just to make the point of like the reason this is not like the the headline news on the New York Times or somewhere that, again, more like traditional media is he really hasn't said anything. He said... I know people that told yeah, me they should, well, saw you. Well, I, I wouldn't say he hasn't said anything. He hasn't shown us a shred of evidence. Yeah. Um, hey, if you're going to be up here, you can come sit with me. But you can't mess with the cameras. At least with like Bob Lazar, he goes, yeah, I touched the spacecraft. Like I went to the same yeah. place all the time. Well, I, I suspect that is coming. Mm-hmm. I fully maintain, too, that I'm very concerned that this is all fake. Yeah. Okay. But I do think in the very near future... You're going to get that. Mm-hmm. I think he initially came out as like a, um, well, as a whistleblower. But the, th- the problem is he doesn't really, he's a whistleblower coming forward with the kind of the approval. It seems like the approval, like the inspector general is is representing him. Yeah. So it's like this weird, he's a whistleblower that doesn't seem to have a lot of blowback from anybody about right. whistleblowing. Yeah. It's almost like, which actually is more concerning because right. it's kind of yeah. like, well, yes, they know. Will you have something to say about it? What do you think it is? <laughs> what do you think it is? You don't even know. You're just so happy. Okay. Well, let me, let me tell the, let me tell the world what I think it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. Okay. So, I forget where it's going with that. 
they do uh, this to me. He's not getting the blowback that you would yeah, expect. Yeah, but I think, so even something we talked about is just yesterday, I think, that Rubio came out. And two days before that, uh, Senator Holloway came out. And they, again, like like Grush, they're not really saying, they're not revealing classified information. But they, you know, Marco Rubio came out and clearly said that he he backed him up and said that what Grush is saying, he has also been briefed on that same information and what he's saying is correct. Mm-hmm. Which would make yeah, you think, ho- oh my God. Yeah, Holly. I saw that response. His, uh, his, Was it his, Holly or Holloway? I've said Holly. H-A-W-L-E-Y. Holly, that's right. Yeah, but that that I thought was like point for Grush, you know. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, his response is uh, Senator Holly's response. All right, be good, buddy. Go get your brother. He says, quote, I'm not surprised necessarily by these latest allegations because it sounds pretty close to what they kind of grudgingly admitted to us in the briefing. Uh, And he said, while admitting that he can't verify Grush's claims in comments shared on June 21, Holly said, he's saying that the government knows more about this than they have previously let on. That doesn't really surprise me because it looks to me like the government has been tracking these UAPs for a long time now and they've not been saying much about it. Uh, What we learned from the Chinese spy balloon incident is that one part of the government actually actively concealed it from other parts of the government uh, because that's what well, they do all the time. Well, and an element of that, the, 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 the reason that we supposedly even found the Chinese spy balloon mm-hmm. was because of changes in our policy towards tracking UFOs. Mm. And so something to do with how our radars were functioning, we changed that because of the new UFO policy. Okay. And then they picked up the Chinese spy balloon. Which, for the record, I think it's all BS. Like, yeah. I, I think the whole thing is, I think the idea, like the Chinese spy balloon was ridiculous to me. It was like, well, you could see it with your naked eye. It was like, it was just floating. And the, the American response to it was BS too, because, I mean, in Joe Biden's uh, credit, to his credit, I think the way that we handled it was exactly the way we should, which was, yeah, let it come in. It's like everybody could see it. It's a, it's the worst spy balloon mm-hmm. in history. If yeah. if you could see it, it's not a good spy balloon. But once you see it, you don't shoot it down. You let them think that they're spying yeah, on you. Right. You you let them bring it in, and then you shoot it down over water where it's easy to get it. And I mean, the whole thing that not this is not me saying this, but Peter Zeehan and other people have talked about like that. That was a huge, massive intelligence fa- failure for China. It was not a failure for us. Like we, mm-hmm. we got the balloon and we saw them every step of the way. Mm-hmm. That just shows how incompetent the Chinese are when it comes to spying on us. Hmm. That's which makes news. sense to me. Yeah. I mean, what do I know? I, I'm a guy that talks about UFOs mm-hmm. in his closet, <laughs> pulling bones out of your kids' throats. I did save my son from a nasty. Yeah, you're bone. pretty much a surgeon, so I feel like going back to medical school or something. You know, like maybe these hands were wasted on the guitar, and oh. I could have been like. Yeah. Definitely would have made more money. Yeah, for sure. Even the I, bad doctors make good money. <laughs> <laughs> I found out uh, yesterday Kokomo said, you don't have to be a, a, good, a doctor to own a medical practice, which I'm like, oh, I guess not. Hmm. You don't have to have a particular type of driver's license to own a car lot, right? I mean, yeah. You're just buying the business and hiring doctors. It's like Bill so. Gates. You don't be a doctor to tell everyone what virus yeah. vaccines no, to take. 
<laughs> he literally owns the vaccine business, uh, and it's like, well, he's not a doctor. No. He doesn't know anything about medicine. No. But he, he can tell you to take it, though. He knows how to make computer viruses, though. Ah. Ugh. <laughs> Stupid windows. Ugh. That's a whole um, other podcast. But, it um, is. I didn't mean to derail you. The, but... the, so, so the Grush situation, I think, is not going away. I think he clearly has like, been given the green light from the people that he's supposedly whistleblowing on. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I've just never understood. I think there's a, there's a lot of, I guess maybe some of us that like that we've researched so much about MK ultra, like we've researched the lengths to which the deep state will right. go to do whatever the hell they want to do. And then, I mean, they, they'll kill the president. Mm-hmm. They'll kill JFK. And you're telling me they couldn't kill Snowden if they wanted to. I don't believe you. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I think if they wanted Snowden to be dead, he'd be dead. Yeah. He's right. not dead for some reason, but it's mm-hmm. not because the deep state doesn't want him dead. If they want him dead, they're going to Vince Foster him. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, uh, Seth Rich. There's they're, like, there's people that like are getting whacked all the time. I, I, the idea that there's one, maybe there's something where if somebody becomes so public, it's just like bad PR for them to Man, whack him. But Epstein disappeared <clears throat> in a very That's public a perfect situation. Example. I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I say everybody. Most people are suspicious of that. But, I mean, they had the gall to do it, is my point. I think there's there's probably a crisis management judgment call that's made. And uh, Snowden is not as much. I just, what I'm saying is the idea that we couldn't get him if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I believe that. If he's going on, yeah, he's going on interviews and yes, it goes to the grocery store. You could poison him. <laughs> it seems like you could find him. Yeah. S- somebody could. Yeah. Um, Maybe it, not China, but somebody. Yeah. So yeah. I forget what point I was making about well, that. Well, uh, what I started thinking as you were making that point was just, yeah, like, well, Grush sure seems to be. I mean, if I were concerned for my life, the thought I had while I was like thinking on this the last few days and looking into it was, I don't know that I would be. I don't think I've got it in me to be a whistleblower. You know, mm-hmm. if if I came home, my wife said, how was work? And I said, okay. It's you like, do if you were older, though. He's you, he's younger than oh, I Oh, no, he's like 37, yeah. 38. I'm saying like you could be like a Philip Corso. Okay, yeah, like you could be life, You yeah. could be like, a, okay, I've got cancer. I'm not going to be here much longer. Mm-hmm. I'm spilling the no, beans. I'll tell you my part. Yeah. But there's been, I, mean, I can't think of others. I mean, Philip Corso is a good example of, you know, his book the day after roswell i read that whole book twice and it's i mean it's nuts because it's in line with what grush is saying Mm -hmm. and and at the same time it's been discredited in a lot of ways so corso's book is talking about the same things that we had these downed craft that we took these craft and we started reverse engineering them through these different contracting space uh, programs like Lockheed Martin and, and uh, you know, others like that. And uh, in his book, he makes a lot of claims that are just uh, easily debunked. You know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it's things like the laser that came from a spacecraft or um, some of the stealth technology we use. But people have gone through and looked up and been like, no, this guy over here developed the laser. Mm. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't hold water 100%, but um, it's also just a strange thing because if you look up who Philip Corso was, 
he was a very high-ranking military officer mm-hmm. who was in charge of the programs he said he was in charge of. Like he, everything adds up, except then he says aliens have been coming to Earth for a long time and we got their spaceships. It's like, whoa, man! Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's a lot to take in, and there, and si- similarly to Grush, there's no evidence. You know what right. I mean? Because yeah. the same thing. It's like, well, it's it's all it's just a locked guy up. Saying stuff. It's yeah. locked up. I can't tell you. I can't yeah. show you the evidence, but I'm tell you what I saw, and what I saw was a spaceship and aliens. He's, you know, he says at Roswell they had bodies of these short, you know, three, four foot tall aliens that he transported by train in formaldehyde in these little coffins back to i forget what base it was it was um somewhere in ohio i can't remember one of the big ones they used but anyway that I mean, that's a hell of a thing to say yeah like it's not i don't know where i'm going with this except oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> does anybody else feel this way am i the only one out there who's well, like guys pay attention you're certainly not Something's the only going one on. that feels that way i mean a lot of i say a lot of but there are plenty of conspiracy theory podcasts making a, a to-do about it um yeah but i'm worried about the public yeah do you think the public is starting no. to go i think it, it it's i think the public's thinking like i am like Come on, man! You're gonna to have to give me more than quite a number. And a guy came to me and told me. Well, and they I did didn't narrow it down yeah. um, to twelve or fifteen. Okay, that's, so quite a number. That's specific then, enough. Yeah. Then when I think it was either Holly or Rubio mm-hmm. said no, it was twelve or fifteen. Which again, it's like, which is it? <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about the most extraordinary it's thing not, yeah, it's not that like, any of us have ever seen. Exactly. It's like, there's not one or two Eiffel Towers. There's one right, Eiffel yeah, Tower, yeah. and we all know where it is. Yeah. Um, there's not 12 or 15 spacecraft from <laughs> you know Zeta Reticula. You know, we talk about uh, you know his credibility, which from all accounts looks like, you know, he's not had any history of mental breaks. You know, there's no, no. nobody seems to have brought up any kind of like, problems with his military record and stuff but i was talking with my wife about it this morning and she's like well we know that the military is not infallible i mean this is the same it's not the same because this guy's air force and hubbard was navy but she's like i mean the navy let hubbard be in charge of a ship after he fired at all those rockets yeah. from the submarine or so, weapons of mass destruction in iraq yeah, right and you go well you know, that wasn't not, true they're not completely infallible yeah <laughs> um so it is conceivable that a kooky person could make it into the, you know, into the ministry of, you know, into, uh, you know, like information services in the government. But um, my point being just like, yeah, he doesn't seem to have had any kind of weird gaffes, mm-hmm. you know, in his service at any point. Yeah, he gets to where he's like, he seems like he keeps, he got promoted over and over again, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was writing the president's intelligence daily intelligence yeah. briefings. Which again, if he's not an expert, who is? Yeah. Right. I mean, I'd like to know. I mean, mm-hmm. uh Lou yeah. Elizondo is the same thing. I mean, people have criticized him. I mean, if you want to look at some of the critical people, uh Stephen Greenstreet at uh New York Post, follow him on Twitter. He's very critical of the uh, Skinwalker Ranch people. He did a series on YouTube where uh, he befriended the man that owns Skinwalker Ranch, 
who is a real estate billionaire that um, he's a Mormon and a lot of the anyway, long story short, he went out there, he investigated for himself Skinwalker Ranch. And his conclusion is there's very little evidence of anything weird going on there. It's more likely that a lot of Mormons have some kind of strange beliefs about like like that some of his Mormon beliefs are driving his reasons for doing this research. Mm-hmm. And some of those beliefs are pretty strange and not backed by any kind of evidence. Just And he's a Mormon, too, uh, Green Street. So oh, it's like he, who's left the church because he doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really on bad terms with the people at Skinwalker Ranch now. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I agree with uh, Green Street. I'm not saying like I, I, I do appreciate the pushback, though, and somebody that's like, Look, I'm not just going to sign my deal with ancient aliens and go on a speaking circuit, which is what a lot of these people do. Um, He very easily could have. And I think instead he went out there, set up his tent in front of the cabin in Skinwalker Ranch and waited for the giant, you know, uh, I think they said there was a uh, a half uh, dinosaur beaver, like a giant dinosaur beaver that was... (laughs) seen on the ranch okay. as big as like a stegosaurus or something that was the claim that sounds terrible. he went out there yeah. in the woods and waited for it and he never saw it <laughs> so, you'd think you'd see it if it's that big yeah well but the idea is at skinwalker ranch is that it's it's like a a portal mm-hmm. and there's things from other dimensions and other realities coming through and then going back it's good tv <laughs> I mean, I've never actually seen the show, so I don't know, but I, I, I hear it's successful. Point being... Now, is there a connection to Grush and Skinwalker Ranch? There is, and that's what initially, after this Grush report came out, that's what I was... It's yet to be seen, but it's all going to come down to who are Grush's sources. Okay. When yeah. he says right. yeah. when he says that... in. People that are in the know within our mm-hmm. military, military like generals and agency people, w- the people that have come to him and s- made these really fantastical claims, um, depends on who that is. Because if it's all Stephen Greer, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Stephen Greer, but I I I need more. I, I mean, I I think that Stephen Greer is. I mean, Eric Davis would be another one. Well, Eric Davis was deeply involved with Skin, Skinwalker Ranch, mm. and he's a physicist. But, I mean, I've looked up videos with Eric Davis that, I mean, he's talking about... I'm not saying what he's talking about isn't true. I'm just saying that it's it's pretty far-fetched. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's talking about being at Skinwalker Ranch, and a ghost pushed him down the stairs. And he's a physicist. You're like, well, where's the evidence? And he's like, I, I don't know. Maybe you just fell down the stairs. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I happens. mean, maybe it wasn't a ghost. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Hal Putoff is another one. I've followed him closely. But if that's if that's his, you know, his his guy, Hal Putoff. I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just they need to be. They need to go on Joe Rogan and answer some really tough questions. Mm-hmm. Like they really need to be pushed because if Eric Davis thinks that a ghost pushed him down the stairs at Skinwalker Ranch, we need evidence for that. You can't just say. But it happened and it was a cool, you know, it was a crazy story. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know. I need evidence. I'm not going to just believe you. Like a lot of conspiracy theories. Yeah. It's unfortunate that the, the waters get muddied with, you know, here we've got a guy high up in intelligence 
that seems to be a credible dude. And then like people start throwing arrows at him going, well, he was hanging out at a Star Trek concert or concert Star Trek conference Mm -hmm. with uh, George Knapp. Right. Who's a journalist for ufology and all that sort of stuff. And that's where I think it's really easy to be dismissive of somebody like that. Um, or like you're talking about these guys that are physicists saying they get pushed down, pushed down the steps by ghosts. Like there's always just a lick, just enough of a hiccup to where you've got pause. You start going, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that sounds pretty believable. You got pushed down the stairs by a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't know if I believe any of the other stuff you just said. Yeah. I, uh, it's kind of funny. Are you going to come back in? I had a, I was playing a gig uh, last weekend and I went to the bar afterwards mm-hmm. and got a drink and it's all the people in the party, private party or in the other uh-huh. room. And uh, so t- obviously if I talk to a bartender, my first question is, have you ever seen a UFO? Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> and so this guy was very nice. He seemed normal. He was yeah. about our age. And uh, have you ever seen a UFO? No, I've never seen a UFO. And then, have you ever seen a ghost? No, I've never seen a ghost. And it was at a it was it was at a, a golf, old golf country club. Uh-huh. And so, and then he's like, "Man, I might have heard a ghost at some point, whatever, but not a hundred percent sure." So he's really kind of not engaging with it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then he's like, "Well, I did see one thing once." And I'm like, "What <laughs> do you mean? Yeah. Get ready." So he said, "Well, one time." You want to hear about it? Okay. He said, "One time, no one believes me." But I pulled up in front of my mom's house, and I was getting out of my car, and in the tree right next to the house, I looked up and I saw a bird on the branch of the tree, but it was a metal bird. He said, it didn't have feathers, it was mechanical and metal. Oh, no And it made It made like a funny robot noise and looked at him and then flew away. That is the opposite of what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's like... A super normal dude saying That's what the I mean. nuttiest conspiracy That's what theory. I mean. So it's like, dude, you were like UFOs, ah, humbug, ghost, ah, I don't know about that. But this one time I saw a mechanical bird. Which is hilarious. And then it flew away. Because, yeah, like many of these conspiracy theories, I was telling Taylor, who played drums with us last weekend. Oh, yeah. Like we're kind of debriefing afterwards. and. <laughs> he handled it okay? <laughs> he did He right, said he wanted to be in the band, so yeah, I guess well, it was okay. Yeah, he, he had a great time. And uh, I was telling him, like, well, this UFO conspiracy thing, it slippery slope. You know, at first, like, none of it's true. And then you go, well, yeah, Kennedy assassination, assassination is a little weird. And then you're like, and his brother. Mm. <laughs> and then you're like, but I mean, I know that we landed on the moon. Wait a minute. Maybe. Uh, maybe. maybe we did. <laughs> and then, but the fake bird one is one where I, like, I took a minute to look into it. I was like, okay, that one is very ridiculous. Yeah. But see, now you're telling me like a normal dude. <laughs> well, I say that, but then his buddy walked by and heard him telling the story and kind of was like, yeah, this guy, I don't know. you know. I but know. I just thought it was funny that he was like, nah, UFOs, yeah, are ghosts. But a mechanical bird. <laughs> but I swear to God, this bird was made of metal, it had no feathers. It was like, quack, quack, and then flew away. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying he was wrong. Maybe there are... You know, if I was building spies, like, you know, drone spies to, you know, whatever, look over anywhere, mm-hmm. birds would be perfect. They would. I mean, you make like a drone bird that like even looks, it's not metal, but like feathers. No one would even look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You'd think, I mean, maybe that's the bird that died in, right behind me or whatever that one silly, time. I but this is the first time I thought, oh, you, I don't guess they mean every bird ever. 
You know, because like when I'm in my backyard oh, and I yeah. see birds, well, I that go, wouldn't make sense because that's almost a chicken and the egg kind of thing where you go, well, how did you come up with the idea of birds <laughs> if they've all been but, mechanical? But now that I took the time to think, uh, like, oh, you know, a bird-looking thing. Yeah, know, no, like I think I think, that I think that's disguised. Well, I could be like wrong, but I think that's what they mean is that yeah, there are there are birds among us. Yeah, okay, that I'll, are not actually birds. There's some sort of See, spy. Now, which actually, that's not even that crazy. No, like there was a case. Um, there's a guy that has a podcast called Everyday Spy. I forget his name, but he used to be a CIA officer, and now he has this awesome podcast. But he was telling he tells all these stories, and there was a spy cat. So we had this uh, cat that we were training that had like a spy camera on it. I think it was in Cuba. I think it was going to like spy on Castro or something like that because there's cats everywhere. And we the thing is, you can't train a cat like you can a dog. Like a dog can be trained to do all these cool things and you could do it with a dog. But cats are dumb and they don't. They don't follow, they do their own thing. And so we spent like a ton of money training this cat to be a spy. And then at the, uh, at the, in, at the day of the operation, it was like a, it's like out of a movie. It was, whole, it was like the guy that they're supposed to, the cat's supposed to infiltrate and spy on. It's like he gets out of his car and the cat just beelines for the car and it gets hit by another car. Oh, <laughs> and no it kidding. Does. It was like, it's like six months of research into this spy oh, cat. Wow. And it was like, well, the uh, cats can't be trained, so let's uh, go with something else. You know, spy dogs. Andrew Bustamante. Bustamante, yeah. Yeah. He's been on Lex Friedman. I feel like I listened to him. Yeah, he's, he's really good, and he tells a lot of great stories about he, old operations. He's a He was a cool and, like, personable enough guy that it made me believe, like, it made me more, it made me believe in spies more, like, in the way that. I I think like oh this is a guy that I wouldn't suspect of being a spy yeah you know like I would just think he was a cool guy at, like at a party if I were at that Fourth of July cookout oh he talked about the spy cats this guy I'm yeah, gonna talk to you I all would want to talk to that yeah. guy but my luck I'd be stuck talking to this guy saying there's quite a number of UFOs <laughs> that he can't tell me about <laughs> and I'd hear all the a laugh across the yard and all my buddies would be talking to Bustamani about the yeah. spy cat <laughs> yeah. that's funny he uh. He, I think it was with Lex, he was talking about the Ukrainian war and he was, he, he's just, he's just coming at it from like a, a spy perspective, mm -hmm. Yeah. but this was like a year and a half ago and mm -hmm. maybe a year ago, but either way he was saying, he was just describing how our interact, like our position in that conflict right now is definitely all to our benefit. Mm. And he was saying like, oh yeah, from our perspective, like we're sending over these, this equipment they're using it and he's saying we're gathering all the intel mm -hmm. and so he's saying mm -hmm. it's a it's a perfect storm for us because none of our soldiers are dying not it's 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 cold war it's, you know mm -hmm. and he was saying it like it was a good thing and i was just like oh my god that's really cynical yeah you know towards the ukrainians the poor ukrainians sure. are just these yeah. they're just you know pawns useful in pawns oh, in a in yeah. a in a war between us and and the soviets and or the russians and um I thought it was interesting, like, th there's that we've talked about before, like, the soldier's got to be the soldier. Yeah, and, right. you know, he's the spy, he's got to be the spy. And um, on some level, you know, you need those guys, but I think maybe it's our job to be the ones to go, let's not kill all the Ukrainians. Like, it's, it's not just, like, maybe this isn't all good. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. 
anyway, that's my one hang up with Bustamani was, uh, what about the Ukrainians that are dying? Like, that's not good. And the Russians that are dying. I mean. Well, you say cynical. I imagine a guy like, if you're really well informed on like the, the goings on in the global. Yeah. I mean, there's this real clear, they're the bad guys. We're the good guys. I'm not saying we're not the good guys. I do. I'm, I'm pro America hundred percent, but okay. So over the past weekend, what would it happen with the, with the civil war in Russia with this coup? Mm. Did you follow that at all? Mm-mm, no. Oh, wow. Well, um, <laughs> there's a guy, uh, I'm not even an, uh, knowledgeable enough to tell you all of it, but there was a f- faction of the Russian fighting force that turned against Putin and tried to overthrow the government. And the Wagner group. And uh, I think there was a lot of propaganda pushed behind that right away from the West to say, mm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, and I, th- that Peter Zeon guy was talking about it. And, you know, people, he was very dubious from the beginning because, you know, Putin is not as dumb as like people like to characterize him as like this, like we have this character, character of him in our heads of like this dumb dictator. Yeah, and it's right. like, now he's been around the block and he knows what he's doing. And I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but I am like, he did say the guy, I forget his name, but the guy that was leading up this other faction, there's a lot of people on our side saying like, yeah, overthrow Putin. And he's like, that guy's way worse than Putin. Mm-hmm. So if you want to overthrow Putin, you need to think yeah. about who's coming in next. And right. that guy likes to take a sledgehammer to his, you know, buddy's heads that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. So as bad as Putin is, the devil you know is often better than the devil yeah. you don't. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that in this conflict right now, not to get too political, but um, I think from our perspective, we don't even know where these places are on a map. So why would we pretend yeah, to know right. that we know what's best for the conflict? Oh, damn. He's got a, a bust. Busted snake. Busted snake. Mama's going to have to fix that. Here. Why don't you do this? I'll stuff it back in there, and I'll put him here on the desk by my conspiracy dad mug, and then we'll give it to mom, and she'll fix it tomorrow, okay? okay. Sound good? Okay. All right. You go play with your brother, brother, okay? okay? All right. Be good. We'll fix that. This is Kyle the fake snake. Oh. Not so this Kyle is, the real snake. It's like a Kyle stand-in. So, anyway, I guess I don't know how I connected UFOs to... The war in Ukraine, but except, uh, I don't think we know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly is serving as a a good distraction. You know, yes, I, I guess say, that's what it was. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, not only is it, you know, just fringe ufologists and the George Knapps of the world, but you know, it's been mentioned on the last two or three episodes of Rogan, which I know we reference Rogan a lot here, but that's only it's been on Fox and CNN and everybody references Rogan. It's yeah. the biggest podcast in the world you know? ever. And as yeah. far as I understand, it's bigger than CNN. Like it's, it's a major outlet at this point. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's common enough to where you could mention it to, your buddies that aren't even into UFOs, you can go, you hear about that UFO whistleblower? And they would go, yeah, yeah, heard about it. So it's certainly like it would serve as a good distraction. And it's everything I listened to over the last couple of days did that same thing that you were talking about so, before. So what do you think, though? Like, what's your opinion about this whistleblower? What do you, you think it's all... Are you falling more on the... Okay, I'll give you mine first. Okay, I think I'm still back in fake alien inv- invasion territory. 
I do think that the UFO phenomenon is real. Mm-hmm. I think it's entirely possible that he's telling the truth about like some of what he's saying, that we do have some, maybe even a craft. But I do think it's also being weaponized, and I think it's being used as a threat to, as an excuse for um, military conflict or buildup of some kind. It's either that or it's being used to like bankrupt the, the Russians and the Chinese, and they're... So now they're watching all of this, and now they're running around like chickens with their heads off trying to find UFOs because they say, oh, my God, they got 15, 12 or 15 UFOs <laughs> in the United States. We need 12 or 15, and the whole thing is just a psyop to, to waste their time and money on the things Americans that don't exist. The Americans have quite a number of the UFOs. Yes. So I still think it's something like that. I, my best case scenario, I hope that's what it is, and it's just a psyop against our enemies. Mm-hmm. But truth. I mean, in, in all reality, it could be a psyop against us. I mean, what are you going to do if Marco Rubio and, uh, you know, some other senator come out and hold a briefing and say, this is all true? And we have these spacecraft, and it indicates that some, you know, there's an, a, a pending war coming our way. They're coming back, and we need to rally together to. Mm-hmm. You ever read that, game, uh, that book, Ender's Game? Mm-mm. It's a fantastic book, but it was made in a movie too. But it's this idea that like they're coming back, and we need to build up our forces and and get ready to fight them, you know, mm-hmm. so that we don't perish. I mean, but then it's just based on well, how do I know it's true? Watch this video. Anymore? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's real. Yeah. I mean, that's my fear. Is that I? I do, how do we know what's real? I don't know. I guess I could touch it with my own hand and. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's as a... much as I'm, you know, making fun of of Grish's just his persona. Um, there's part of me that's like, well, I don't know what I would have him say for me to go. Yeah, that guy's hmm. legit. You know, I. Um, and I think about that a lot of times. So you're still very skeptical of everything. Yeah, I'm skeptical of it. Um, it again, it it bothers me like just like that Tom DeLong interview where you were saying Rogan laughed him out of the room. I went back and listened to it and I thought, well, of course he did. Cause Tom DeLong did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, bro, I'm telling you, I have talked to people. He did the exact and, same thing. And Rogan goes, well, who have you talked to? I can't tell you. And you're like this. No wonder nobody's taking you seriously, man. That, that is exactly my point since 2017. That has been my point because Yes, I get it. Tom DeLonge is a fool. Mm-hmm. Not a fool in that like, he's successful, but like he writes no, songs a, about yeah. like goofy. Yeah. He's childish. He's not a serious person right. in like the intelligence military apparatus sense. Mm-hmm. But the problem is all of those guys standing on stage with him at mm-hmm. To The Stars announcement, they are serious intelligence yeah. people. And that was always the thing that got me was like, what, what are they doing are they with, doing with yeah. him? Yeah. And David Grush, the same thing. You could say, why are Tom DeLong and David Grush saying the same thing? And why did Tom DeLong say it years before right. David Grush? Yeah. Like, did he actually just stumble upon that? Or is he part of a bigger psyop? Mm-hmm. The fear I'd have is that he's part of a bigger psyop because he's just the rock star. He's just this right. guy. That, like, he's not... He's not the guy that should know about any of no, this and, stuff. And just as you were saying it, like he's just a rock star. I thought, yeah, if if I were to trust, like if you're asking me who's a credible rock star, 
that I would want serving on a UFO board. I'm thinking more like an Eddie Vedder, <laughs> you know, like a troubled, more cerebral rock hey, star. At least somebody doesn't write songs that are just so ridiculous. Exactly. You know yeah, I mean? like, when you say Tom DeLonge, I'm like, well, yeah, what is Kid Rock on the board also? Okay. We're just, <laughs> I, I need a Tom York to like, serve need, on the board. I need a Springsteen. I need yeah, a, <laughs> right. Exactly. Some elder statesmen of rock. Well, we'll see. The good thing about this subject is we will revisit it because apparently uh, he's supposed to be briefing Congress in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the inspector general cleared him to go ahead, said it was credible enough. He needs to brief Congress. And he's doing that right now. So um, if the aliens are coming, uh, I'm sure we're going to hear about it. I mean, it's a hell of a time to be alive. We'll hear about it right before they say, okay, and um, in light of all this, we're going to need you to go. Everybody sign up for your global identification. Yeah. We're all going to, that's, to me, that's when you ask about like, what's my take on it? That's what I'm more concerned about than anything is like that sort of idea of, well, this is one way to capitalize on, get everybody on board with some kind of, you know, compliance. Yeah. Right. Well, bullets and soup is what you want. That's Lots right. of bullets yeah. and soup and mm-hmm. you'll be okay. So thank you for listening to the Conspiracy Dad podcast. Uh, if you like the show, please like, subscribe, share, and uh, we will see you guys next week.